Amen. Psalm 44, if you would, make your way to Psalm 44. We have kind of been walking through the Psalms for a little while now, and as we walk through the Psalms, before we even get there, uh, some of you may see the plums here, and or the mums, I keep saying plums, the mums here, and uh, we have a couple more that are actually coming. There was a, a, a student that reached out that is doing a fundraiser and said, hey, would you be willing to, uh, to purchase some of these and be a blessing to us? And, and so I said we would. They are large. And uh, we had actually taken everything off of the platform in front because uh, many of you have been spending time in prayer, and, and that's exciting to see. And so I say this to say that, uh, or say that to say this, more or less. Uh, don't let these right here, these mums, scare you away from spending time at the altar with the Lord, okay? And uh, they'll only be here for a season. Um, but we, we uh, text Miss Deb, or sent her a message today because she uh, handles all of our, um, you know, our, our uh, what are those called? Decorations, the floral arrangements. And uh, I said, uh, I said, I tried to put these somewhere else throughout this building, but they're massive, and they just look awkward in other places. And so uh, trying to, to do all that, and so we're putting them to use. And so, uh, But I say that to say this. Spend some time in the, with the Lord in prayer here in a little while as we pray as a church, uh, and we'll share some details about uh, tomorrow here in a little while, okay? Psalm 44, as we come to this, we, we were in Psalm 42 a couple of weeks ago, and, and there's a little bit of a flow from Psalm 42 to Psalm 43. They kind of go hand in hand in many ways as the thought is carried out. And as you think about that, we dealt with that a little bit a couple of weeks ago, but we come to Psalm 44, and I want to encourage you because you may be wondering right this very moment, what would it really matter if I talk highly of the Lord, if I, I speak about the Lord, if I, I share the testimony of my salvation, if I talk about the good things as a child and, and growing up, and, and as I think about all of what God has done, what does that matter if I, I tell someone, can I just keep it all to myself? Well, no, that's not what God intended. It's not what God's purpose was. You see, every single time that we experience what God is doing in our lives, He, he takes much joy when we proclaim what He's done. You see, it points others to Him. It, it helps us to acknowledge Him and others to acknowledge Him. And, and people may be wondering, you know, what's this Jesus that you worship on Sundays? And what, what's this church that you go to? And why do you speak? Or why, why, what is this Christianity that I, I keep hearing you talk about? And that's an opportunity for you to speak highly of the Lord. And let me ask you this question. I grew up in a home where we would have devotions on, on Sunday evenings and, 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 and Wednesday evenings when we got home from church. Yeah, we, got, we had church on top of church, okay? That's the way I grew up. And, 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 and so when I think about that, I remember there were times growing up whenever as a child, it was one of those where we would go around the room, all right? So you had my, my parents and then three children, my sister, my brother, and I, and we would take turns spending time in prayer. Now, I don't know if you've ever done this, but... Sunday nights and Wednesday nights were long. The days were long. And uh, w- one of the things that we learned quickly is that you, you raised your hand to pray first. You say, why would you raise your hand to pray first? Because if you were second, third, fourth, or fifth, you were already asleep when it came to your time. You, you know, it was just long. But one of the things growing up, I remember talking and, and, and thinking about this. We would go through these devotions. And I remember my parents talking much about what the Lord had done in their lives. 
Remember my, my mom talking about growing up in church and going to church, and, and I got my grandfather's Bible in there, and I remember my stepdad when I was called to preach telling me that he was also called to preach, and he ran from the Lord, and he said, look, this is a serious thing. And, and I remember my stepdad talking to me about, you know, trying to be a blessing financially to people because of this and that, and, and it, it was, you know, just seeing God work in his life and, and the many things. And you think about preachers that will get up and share stories and this and that, and you say, well, what are they sharing those things for? Look with me in verse number 1, what the Bible says. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days and the times of old, how thou didst drive out the heathen with thy hand and and plantest them, how thou didst afflict the people and cast them, for they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and thine arm. In the light of thy countenance, because thou hast a favor unto them. Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee will we push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them under the rise up, under, under that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither my, uh, shall my sword save me. But thou hast saved us from our enemies. And has put them to shame that hated us. And God, we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever. Selah. Now we're going to deal with much of this passage right here, verses 1 through 8. I'll give you a brief summary of what's taking place in the entire psalm. But right off of the bat, it starts off with, We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us. Now... I was just telling Brother John before the service what I was preaching on as he was standing here for a few moments. And, and I said, one of the saddest things, if you get later into your life and as, you, as you're an older individual and as you think about this, if your, children, if your children ever or if they never say this, then you've missed out an opportunity probably. If they never say this, man, I wish God would do now what he did in my parents' generation, in my grandparents' generation. You think about this. I was telling Brother John whenever I was standing up here, I said one of the things that I was fortunate to to experience is that I grew up in a church that was thriving. In my teenage years, it was a church that was thriving, and I look back and I think about that, and and I I go to to Crown, I was able to experience that, and now we're here, and you see what God is doing here, and and the excitement and the the blessing of watching God blessed with church families and children and all these many things, and you think about this, and I pray that my children will be able to look back and say, wow, look what God did while we were at Gateway, look at what God was doing. Look at what God was capable of and, and all of these many things. And Jackson will ask questions sometimes. And just today he was asking, we were listening to a song. It's a song called, O Ye, O Ye of Little Faith. And as we were listening to that song, it starts, and it starts to talk about Satan. He says, who's Satan? I said, that's the devil. He's only ever heard us talk about Satan and, and describe him as the devil. I said, that's the devil. And, and, he, and he made the same. And he said, oh, God, God beats the devil. I say, yes, he, yes, he does. And as you think about that, he, he's hearing these stories and he's, he's gleaning these things. But notice this for just a moment. In the first three verses, in verse number one, it says, We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days in the times of old. The psalmist begins right off the bat in this psalm here reflecting on what he had heard as he was shared stories about what God had done in his time. You go to Psalm 78. Psalm 78, if you remember, Psalm 78 is known as one where the children of Israel is reflecting and he begins to deal with them forgetting what God had done. 
And it goes on in the very beginning of Psalm 78 and it begins to share all of the many miracles and the marvelous things that God had done. And it says, yea, they tempted God in their hearts. They asked, can God? Well, why would they ask, can God? The reason they asked, can God, is because they had forgotten what God had already done in times past. You see, what motivates many of us to continue moving forward with the Lord when we get discouraged is that we're able to look back on the past victories and we're able to reflect on the things that God has already done. In my, in my house, sitting on my desk, I have a book that is a book that has stories on revival. It's about that thick. And that's, that book has story after story of many revivals, not just in America, but all around the world. Some of them are, are, are continuous pages on certain revivals that had taken place. And whenever I open that book, my heart is just stirred immediately. Leonard Ravenhill was an individual, I was just listening to a sermon that he had preached, and as you think about some of the things that he exp- uh, expresses in some of his sermons, as he talks about the things that God could do, but we hold ourselves back. You ever ask yourself that question, and, and be honest with yourself, when you ask it, say, God, reveal to me, and I ask, am I holding myself back from experiencing all that you have for me? You think about that, examine my heart, O Lord, and you think about all that the Lord desires to do. But this psalmist here begins to display this excitement as it says, What work thou didst in their days and the times of old. Now notice for just a moment some of these key words. Sometimes it's easy to miss these key statements and these key words that are found in Scripture because we we forget how, how serious these can be. But they're little words. The word thou. Thou. Now he's not speaking of what, what his father did. He's speaking of what God did. Thou didst drive out the heathen, he says, with thy hand, and plantest them how thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they, not, they go not the land and the possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them. Hey, he said, hey, they didn't do anything. But thy right hand, you did it, God, and thine arm, and the light of thy countenance, because thou has favor unto them. Now, we're going to come back to all of this here in just a few moments because I do want to share with you the rest of this psalm, but notice the verse that we will understand why the influence is so important. Verse number four, he says this, Thou art my king. O God, command deliverances for Jacob. Through thee will we push down. Now, there's a transition. Verses one through three is a time of reflecting on what God had done in the Father's time. I heard these stories of my Father and as, as I heard the times in which you were working in, in His time and in His generation, what you were doing then. It's describing is, history from Israel here. That, that, that Israel's history was something that God was working through and what was taking place. But then He begins to also in this psalm begin to go from Israel's history to their helplessness. Their need for God, because if you go and you study the history of Israel, they continued to, it was just a revolving cycle of them just continuing to disobey and complain and then come back to the Lord and disobey and complain and come back to the Lord. It was all the time what was taking place. And so he goes from their history to their helplessness. In verses 9 and 10, they find themselves defeated, but thou hast cast off and put us to shame and goest not forth with our armies. Thou makest us to turn back from the enemy and they which hate us spoil for themselves. And so they find themselves defeated. In verses 12 and 11 and 12, they find themselves deported here. As the Bible says, thou hast given us like sheep appointed for meat and hast scattered us among the heathen. You ever felt that way before? As though you were, you were cast out and, and you were a sheep amongst all of the wolves. 
I've been in, in groups before whenever I was a little bit, not necessarily uncomfortable, but I, I found out quickly I didn't fit in here. Uh, you walk in a certain place and you say, I just don't fit in in this environment. And can I share with you, that's a good thing. That's not something that you should say, oh, man, I wish I fit in here. No, you're not meant to fit in with the world. You're not meant to fit in with the crowd that goes with the devil. You're not meant to fit in. It's okay. In verses 13 through 16, they find themselves derided here. As the Bible says, thou makest us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn, notice the word here, and a derision to them that are around us, around about us. And so there's, there's a helplessness here that transitions from their history that is being described. But then they find themselves in the midst of all of their helplessness and the disaster that they're facing in a position where they're now in a dilemma. But it's not a dilemma that is a bad dilemma, if you would. It's a, it's a good dilemma in many cases. In verse number 17 on down, as you begin reading, they find themselves experiencing a revival. The Bible says in verse number 17, all this has come upon us, yet we have not forgotten the hey, God, we haven't forgotten what you've done. We haven't forgotten you. Neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant. Our heart is not turned back. Neither have our steps declined from thy way. And so what's taking place here is he begins to reflect on the history of Israel. And he says, hey, I heard what God was doing right here. And, and God, you're my God. But then he begins to talk about the helplessness, uh, the helplessness of Israel. But then as he continues dealing with the helplessness there, he begins to display and to, to remind us that, hey, but there was a bright shot, a, a spot. I experienced revival. We experienced revival. He says in verse number 19, Though thou hast sore broken us in the place of dragons and covered us with the shadow of death. So they experienced the revival in verses 20 and 21. They had great resolve here. The Bible says, If we have forgotten the name of our God, our stretched out our hands to a strange God, shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. That's a message right there. He knoweth the secrets of the heart. And what he, they're saying there is, hey, we haven't done this. It's kind of like David in some of the Psalms of David where he, he already knows that God knows his heart. And he goes to the Lord and he's talking about the enemy. And he says, Lord, you know my heart. And so, so deal with the enemy and, and Lord, also deal with me. But Lord, you know that I'm right with you, that I'm right in my standing, that I'm, I'm not living in sin. I don't have anything right this moment. Lord, I'm, I'm right in standing. Lord, you know these things. And... And they say that as well. Hey, uh, we have great resolve. Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. They're, he's not concerned because he knows that they're right and they're standing. And in verse number 22, he reminds that they chose the Lord. Yea, for thy sake are we killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Lord, we stuck with you. Oh, Lord, we, we, we were here. Lord, you were there and we were here and we were together. We chose you. And so... Psalm 44, if you were to break it up, and I encourage you to go and study this yourself. We'll be here for a couple of weeks. But Psalm 44 could be broken up into four different sections. Verses 1 through 8, you begin to see that he begins to reflect that, Lord, you have helped us. Lord, you've been there. And as you continue transitioning down, you'll find that in verses 9 through 16, he's saying, you aren't helping us here. Not, he's not saying it in such a way where he's saying, Lord, you're not helping and, and you should be. That's not what he's saying. He's saying this is a season where we're helpless. We needed you, but we were in sin. We were living in sin. They were forsaken, if you would. And so as you begin to see in verse number 1 through 8, he's praising the Lord for this. He's boasting, as the Bible talks about. But then they're forsaken. In verses 17 through 22, as they experience that great revival, he's talking about the faithful and what they were doing. And he says, hey, you should help us here. Uh, Lord, we've come back. You should help us here. And then as it closes out, Psalm 44, he begins to remind us that, Lord, you will help us. 
Lord, you're always faithful. Lord, we can trust you. You know, and it's an amazing thing when we say the Lord will help us. We have to shift our thinking. It's not the way we think he should help us. No, 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 no. It's how does he desire to help us. Sometimes we say, Lord, we need you to do this. And he says, no, you need me to do this. Well, wait, Lord, that's not what I anticipated. That's not what I expected. Well, it's not what you, it doesn't matter what you expected. It's what I anticipated and saw and was going to do. And so it's, it's, it's shifting our thinking from making sure that we don't have already this preconceived idea that this is going to take place. No, sometimes it's just a matter of coming to the realization, God, whatever your will is, Lord, help us to see it through. And the psalmist here is reminding us of that. But this evening, we find ourselves parking on verses 1 through 8, and it's exciting. Let's jump right into it. Verse number 1, the Bible says this, We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us what work thou didst in their days. In the times of old, how thou didst drive out the heathen with thine hand and plantest them, how thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in the possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them. But thy right hand and thine arm and the light of thy countenance, because thou hast a favor unto them. Now we're going to make it to verse number 3, because verse number 3 is one of the exciting verses, because we've all experienced this. We've all been, and some of you experienced it. How many of you would say that you were the, the, the smart person in school and you, 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 you academics, you were that person? Any of you? We got some academic people. Okay, I was not that person. All right? So you had your academic person who was the, the person that was in charge of the group project. All right? Now let me tell you who I was. I was the person who was going to be a part of somebody's group, but whenever you started picking and placing uh, people with groups, the teacher would say, okay, now I've got to place Josh somewhere. Where can I place him? That was me. All right, I was the one who academically, if it wasn't P.E., I had nothing to give you, all right? I could only give you so much. And and so I was the one who was placed in the group, and the, 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 the academic person would look at me and say, look, just just take this and just do this, okay? And so I'd get that done. And I had that one part in that part. You know, I was the one who, who could just do this. And so there is that one person who, you know, would take credit though. And so if it's a group project and you get an A, guess what I'm saying? Huh, we got an A. We got an A. And that, that person over there is looking and saying, we nothing. You didn't do nothing. You know what I'm saying? And that's what's taking place in verse number three here is you begin to see this. He says, for they got not the land in the possession. Hey, they didn't do anything. It was all God. God did this. And as a matter of fact, not only by their own sword, neither did their own arm save. They didn't even save them by their own arm. They They did nothing. God did it. But notice with me, number one, we see this, the praise and proclamation. In verses 1 through 3, we see that he is offering praise to the Lord. The testimony of God by God's people is expressed greatly in this psalm as it starts out. And as you see this here, the psalmist begins to reflect on a couple of things. I want you to notice these things. Notice with me, the first thing is that he heard. It says, we have heard with our ears. Now, the second thing we're going to look at here in just a moment is the statement that is found, our fathers have told us, because there's a difference in hearing and listening. There's a difference. Uh, you can hear something. Uh, you, you ever been in a, in a crowd or maybe you were in your home and, and you're sitting there on your couch. I've had that just happened just the other day and we were sitting there and we, we heard a loud boom downstairs. And Kelly said, did you hear that? I said, I heard it, but I, I wasn't paying much attention to it. There's a difference in hearing and listening. You see, in the first statement right here that is found in verse number one where he says, we have heard with our ears, O God. He was saying, hey, we heard these things. But in verse number 1, the second statement, our fathers have told us they had to choose to listen to that. 
They had to choose to listen to that. There are times, even in the house of God, whenever you show up to the house of God, where you heard, but you really weren't listening. You heard there, there was something going on. There was, there was some form of communication that was taking place, but you chose just not to listen. Hey, let me illustrate it this way. If you've ever been in school and you, you were sitting there at your desk and the teacher was going over everything and you, you heard that the teacher was speaking, but you kind of zone out for a second. The teacher begins to ask questions and they point at you and they point at you and you go, huh? It's kind of like that. You, you had to choose to listen. You had to, to make sure that you not only heard, but you were informed. He says, we have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us. Now, for me, I can sit, you know, and, and listen when we have guest preachers come in. And just the other day, we were able to go and we were to spend some time with Brother Dean while he was here. And, and I'll tell you, I, I love just listening to stories. I really do. I love listening to how the Lord is working in people's lives and the Lord doing certain things and how the Lord brought certain people along. And so whenever I am, am with, with individuals, whether we're out to eat or whether we're here at the church, if someone's talking and they're telling me of something that God has done, I enjoy that. I truly do because it's exciting to see, and I was telling my brother-in-law just a couple of weeks ago, that it's exciting to see when God is working not just here but all across this world, what God is doing. And it's an amazing thing. And when you think about this right here, the psalmist is saying, hey, not only did I hear that there was something being said, but I chose to listen. Let me tell you what I chose to listen to, what work that God did in their day. I chose to listen to what work thou didst in their days and the times of old. He says, I, I heard these things and I listened to these things. And, and not only did it take effect, because in verse number 4, all of what he says in verse number 3, he says, thou art my king, O God. I heard what was being said here, and because of what was being said here, I said, I want that too. I want to experience these things. And so in verse number 2, it goes on and starts talking about what God had done. You say, well, what does that matter? Because in verse number 5, he says, through thee we will push. Hey, so he, you see, he learned a lesson here. He learned that God was working through his, his father's generation, what God was doing here. And so because God did all of this and he heard the stories and he heard what God did of old, he understood the testimony of God was this, that God's always going to provide. God's always going to take care of his children. God's always going to be there. God's always going to be present. And so he didn't have to think about taking things into his own hands because in his upbringing, all he heard was, look at what God did. Listen to what God did. When we're in the home, as children, we're ready to get out of the home. When you get out of the home, you almost communicate to your parents just as much as if you were still in the home. You talk to them. You ask them questions and you fellowship with them and you, you speak to them and you, you talk about all those things and, and you start to realize that you picked up more in the home than you really even understood. You ever look at yourself in the mirror or you, you hear yourself saying something and you say, Oof. Sounds like my mom. Sounds like my dad. And you hear those things. And as you think about all that and you think about what God has for every single one of us and what his intention is as parents and as individuals, I pray that my children grow up and they say, hey, you know why I believe God can work? Because my dad said that he worked in his generation. You know why I believe that God can do something and God can send revival? Because my daddy told me many stories about when God sent revival at their church and their ministry and what God was doing there. And so I believe God can send revival because my daddy said he sent revival. You see, I look back on past revivals and I talk to preachers and preachers tell me stories and I say, you know what, if God did it then, he can do it now. 
And our children are being raised and are coming up and they're going to be able to be given the opportunity if we as parents and we as individuals invest in them of what God has done in our own lives. Can I encourage you as a parent, if you haven't already, whenever you have some time and it's just you and your family or you and your children, tell them your testimony of how you got saved. You know, one of the, 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 the things that I cherish greatly is the stories about my family's salvation. And, and I rejoice and I think about all that and think about the times of hearing when they got saved. And I'm, I'm looking forward and I'm longing for the day whenever I'm going to be able to stand behind a pulpit and share to you that my father got saved and this is how he got saved. I look forward to that. And listen, the, the, the reason I'm able to hope that God can save my father is because I'm standing before you. I have people standing or sitting out in front of me that, that if it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for someone praying, if it wasn't for someone that was adamant that they were going to pray every single day for you, you might not have gotten saved. But God said, hey, I'll keep praying. Before I walked into the house of God tonight, I was, was listening to a post that was, was made, and this post was made as a preacher, and there's a Dear Church podcast that has just been started. Brother Stephen Russ, who was with us a couple of uh, months ago, had started with a group of preachers. And this preacher that is on the podcast put, a, 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 I guess you would say, just about a two-and-a-half-minute video uh, together, and he just encourages preachers to continue, to press on. And he goes on for two-and-a-half minutes, and he begins to share the, the, the highlights of, of being a preacher and the high calling it is and many things like that. But... You know, I, there, there, there's a book that has been published, and there are many preachers that have talked about the fact that there are times whenever the preacher will preach a message and he feels as though he didn't even reach out past the pulpit. The message didn't reach the hearts of the people. There are times whenever you'll, you'll, you'll find yourself, I was just sharing with one of our church members a couple of days ago that whenever we took a step of faith to, to just make the step of, of saying, hey, we're going to pray about this opportunity of this building here, that after I'd gotten done with that meeting, I began to say, Lord, you, you place it on my heart and you, 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 you confirm, but Lord, am I, am I doing the right thing? Doubt begins to set in. You wonder is the church behind it? You wonder, am I failing the church? You wonder those things. And so the entire premise of the video is, to, hey, on days when this happens, press on. Hey, whenever you're discouraged and you're sitting behind a desk and you're talking to a, a couple that is going through a struggle and they're, they're, they're on the verge of, the, 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 uh, of getting divorced, they're on the verge of something horrible in their lives, press on. You say, well, how can you press on? Because he's worth it. He's worth it. Can I share with you the psalmist here was moved by the things that he had heard. There are times in your own life whenever you are going to be motivated to continue pressing on because you heard about the faithfulness of God from someone else's life. Why, why is it that someone's able to get the news that they have cancer and say, God, God's going God's to bring us through it? Well, because they've heard that God brought other people who had cancer through it. You see, and they get in God's Word and they study God's Word and they begin to realize that, hey, God's never forsaken them. The psalmist here not only relays that he heard and that he listened, but he also begins to reflect. He says, what work thou didst in their days and the times of old. You see, past blessings need to be remembered because they're, they're something that encourages us for the pursuit of future blessings. You say, well, what's the purpose of going on? What's the purpose of another day? What's the purpose of moving forward in this way? Look at what God did back there, what God did back here, and what God did right here, and how He brought you through right here, and how He used you right there. And Reflect on those past blessings because you're going to pursue future blessings by remembering those things. 
It's those things that motivate you, and it's not those things in general. It's God in the midst of those things. And the psalmist here begins to praise the Lord in verses 1 through 3, but he also proclaims some things. Hey, what work thou didst in their days and times of old. Number two. We see God's power proclaimed. Not only do we see their praise and proclamation, but we see the power proclaimed here. In verse number 2 and verse number 3, the Bible uses these statements, Thou didst drive out, and with thy hand, and plantest them, how thou didst afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and thine arm in the light of thy countenance, because... Thou hast a favor unto them. And so you begin to see the power proclaimed. You see in verse number 2, the force of his power here is it says, How thou didst drive out the heathen with thine hand. And it speaks here and it begins to relay the message that, Hey, these individuals didn't leave voluntarily, but God had to drive them out. God did a miraculous work. God did a work that only he could do. They, were, they weren't afraid of, the, 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 uh, of Israel. They weren't afraid of all of that, but God drove them out. He begins to talk about his force, his fastening. The word that is used here is the word plantist. The word plantist speaks of to fasten, to attach to something, if you would. And so it begins to give this picture, if you would, that Israel was fastened to the land of Canaan so they could not be moved out of the land without God allowing it. Can I share with you that nothing has ever come into your life without God allowing it? There's nothing that's passed through uh, the, the, the fingertips of the Lord where he said, man, I missed that one. I didn't realize that it was going to do that much damage. I didn't realize that this was going to take place. No, everything that takes place in our lives, God allows it. Now, I'll say this. It's not always God's intention for you to experience some things. I read today another preacher was posting, and he said, that there are some burdens that I bear that God never intended me to bear. And because I bear those things, I have to bear them in my own strength because God has to teach me that, hey, only bear what I permit you to bear. And there are also times whenever God allows us to bear things that we will face that are heavy on our hearts and in our lives and we'll say, God, we need you. And He's always present in that bearing process. The burdens that you face, some of them are not meant for you. And so sometimes we bring things onto our own lives not only that, he says right here, how about it's to flick the people and cast them out. His fracturing here. Now you say, how do you get fracturing? Because the word afflict speaks of to break, to shatter, or to fracture. And so he begins to, to deal with this and he helps us to understand that God had crippled the heathen who lived in Canaan so they would be defeated by the Israelites. And all of Israel's history in verses 1, 2, and 3 is being displayed right before us as he begins to talk about these things. I want you to, to relay or to, to think about this for just a moment. If you were to think back on a, a time period in your life when God really was just, it wasn't one of those where it was one moment type thing. I'm talking about it was, you know, a few months or maybe a year where God was just really right there in the midst. And God was doing a work, and as you were beginning to talk about that to your children, as you were t displaying that, that, that what God's goodness was, and you're telling them of all that, and they begin to reflect on it, and they begin to share their own story concerning what they heard. And they say, well, you know, it's it an amazing thing. You know, I'm going through this right this very moment, and it might be something that I, you look at, and I, it might be overwhelming to you, but the reason that it's so easy, in a sense, for me to go through is because my parents went through something very similar. And my parents, for an entire year, they were going through this, but God was doing this. And as they were going through this, God was answering this prayer and was answering this prayer and was doing this here and was using them here and all of these many things. And so the reason that I'm able to face this is because God was with them and He'll never not be with me. 
You see, and the psalmist is relaying all of this to us here. And so he begins to proclaim the power of God because he heard it in the days and the times of old. Verse number 3, you see the privilege they received. Now we might have to stop here tonight and we'll pick back up, but as we come to verse number 3, the Bible says, For they got not. Can I share? I'm just going to stop for tonight right here. There are some things that we have received in our lives, but it's only because of the grace of God. We didn't deserve it. Let's just start right where it starts at salvation. We don't deserve salvation, but we have a holy and righteous and a merciful God who is full of grace that sent His Son to die on the cross for you and me. And so in verse number 3, you begin to see His means and His might and His mercy, and we'll deal with that next week, and it's an exciting thing. But the final couple of verses, verse 4 on down to verse 8, you see the positive effect that takes place. We're not going to elaborate on it tonight because I really want you to catch it. But I do want to just pass these things to you because I want you to understand the importance of talking highly about the Lord. You say, well, will my children ever get tired of it? They might act as though they get tired of it, but there's coming a day, just like whenever I was a child and I got tired of those, those devotionals at night and I got tired of hearing certain things where I look back now and I say, I'm so glad my parents didn't stop. I'm so glad they didn't say, you know what, enough's enough. We're not going to talk about the Lord in this house for a period of time. We're going to give them a break from all that. No, they said, no, we're always going to talk about the Lord. The Lord's going to be uh, talked about highly in this household. And you see the positive effect. In verse number 4, he says, Thou art my king, O God. Command deliverances for Jacob. I'm starting to see this now in my own house because my children are starting to get older and older and and Jackson's beginning to understand some things. And, and you know, you, you'll hear him talking. If you were just to sit down for a few moments, and he'll talk your ear off about, about Jesus and about what, what he's learning in Sunday school and in the children's ministry back there and all these many things because he's, he's getting a hold of all of it. And as you think about that, and I, and I think about all the many things that I can give my children, if I could just give my children an understanding of what it truly means to live for the Lord and love the Lord, if they get that, they're not going to catch all of it. But if they can just catch a little bit of it and then develop the rest on their own, man, what a positive impact that could have. You see that he says, Thou art my king. It speaks of him being prostrate here. That word prostrate means to, to act of assuming a prostrate position, complete the process of being made powerless or the, the condition of powerlessness and seeking God. It literally means to, to lay yourself on the floor and, 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 and literally lay and, and plead with the Lord and beg of the Lord and speak to the Lord and spend time and reverence all to him because of how holy he is. You see, his petition here, as he says, command deliverances for Jacob. That word command and that statement there is speaking of him calling out to the Lord. He was so influenced by the stories that he had heard and the, the testimony of the, the children of Israel calling out to God that he said, hey, I too need to call out to God. Not only was he a petition, but he also was persuaded here. As it says, through thee, through thy name, but thou hast saved us. All of those many things. He was persuaded. Now, I'm going to joke for just a moment with you, and don't, don't spoil it yet. He'll come to understand it in a couple of years. My, my son loves superheroes. And uh, we were, I can't remember where we were, but we were somewhere, and I told Jackson, he, he kept talking about the superheroes. He said, who, who is your favorite superhero? I said, well, I'm, I'm Captain America, so my, my, super, my favorite superhero is Captain America. I said, that's who I am. He goes, you're, you're Captain America? I said, yeah, man. He's like, well, who do I get to choose to be? I said, I didn't get to choose to be Captain America. It just happened. They, Captain America chose me, man. And, and so 
he, he to the, just a few minutes ago, before the service, he walks up to me and he goes, Hey, Dad, can I tell my friends that you're Captain America? I said, that's between you and us. If somebody finds out, then I'll get in trouble. And so, I mean, he, be- he believes it. He, he, he believes he, he, He's all in. He's been persuaded. Can I share with you tonight, there are going to be some things in our lives that persuade us. But could I encourage you, if you're going to be persuaded, be persuaded by this book right here. Be persuaded by the goodness of God in your life and what He's capable of doing. You know, we're going to be persuaded in in certain times, but listen, I'm persuaded that even in the midst of the the most difficult times, that God's going to be there. Even in the midst of the the most most struggling moments in our lives, God's going to be there and He's going to provide if we need a provision and He's going to guide us when we need guidance and all those many things. The church knows at this point, but all of you know that Kelly had three miscarriages last year and and even at her darkest time, whenever she was questioning and asking all these questions, I too, I told her, I said, listen, God's going to give us another child. We don't know when. We don't know how. We don't know what that means. It might mean our, that you, you'll be able to, to give birth to another child. It might mean that we adopt, but God's going to give us that blessing. And now you all know that Kelly is expecting our third child. And, and as you think about that, and as you think about what God has done, and, and I think about it in my own personal life, I was never doubting that God wasn't going to give us that blessing. I just knew, I, I said, look, God's got a purpose for these three, and, and there's coming a day when we'll see them someday, and it's going to be a, a wonderful time. But God's got a purpose for the reason that all that took place. But hey, God's not forsaken us. God's, God's been there right in the midst of all that. And so notice with me what he says in verse number 8. And we'll close tonight. He says, In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever, Selah. Can I share with you that in verse number 8, he says, In God we boast all the day long and praise thy name forever. He is praising the Lord before he's ever experienced the blessing that he's talking about in verse 6 and 7. Notice in verse six or 5, 6, and 7 what he says. He says, Through thee we will push down. Hey, that, that is speaking of what's going to come to pass. Hey, we're going to do this. Through thy name we will tread them under the, the, that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. For thou hast saved us from our enemies and hast put them to shame that hate us. He, he is speaking as he uses these, through thee we will push down our enemies. Through thy name we will tread. He's saying, hey, I'm going to praise you. And I haven't even experienced the blessing yet. Can I share with you what a testimony it is and a reminder in our lives that regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what you're facing, where you're at in your life, you can always praise the Lord. And what a blessing. What a blessing to see God work and to, to, to be able to influence the next generation. And people will, will begin to wonder why your children always just believe God's going to. They'll say, why do you always just believe God's going to answer? Because He always has. And it's not a matter of answering it the way that we think it is. Remember, we have to transform our way of thinking. Lord, what is your will? What are you trying to accomplish? And thinking from a heavenly perspective, not from a human perspective. Reasoning will never accomplish the greater work. Never will. You'll never be able to wrap your mind around how God does certain things. How God accomplishes certain things. Why God allows certain things. You'll never be able to. But when you say, Lord, as Brother Dalton said a couple weeks, see him through it, see yourself through it, and see it through. Allow the Lord to use it. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness tonight. Lord, we rejoice in what you've done and what you're doing. I pray that you would, Lord, receive all the honor and glory. Lord, you're such a wonderful and good God to each of us. I pray that you would remind us of that. Help us tonight to share the name of Christ and to talk highly of you as much as we can. Lord, that it may affect the next generation. 
the children coming up, other individuals, because, hey, look at what God has done. Lord, I pray that you would use this invitation, use it the way you see fit, and we'll thank you for that. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Would you stand with me?